Here we go. Uh, if you have your Bible, you're going to be in Luke uh, 13. You may be saying, Jose, on a video, you said we're going to continue our series in, in the revelation of Jesus, and we're going to do that three weeks from now. But I, uh, I thought, just based on a lot of things that have been going on, it would be good to continue the conversation on hope. If you missed the message on Revelation 7, please, and it sounds self-serving, watch me. It just sounds so self-serving. But please watch that message because we realize that the, the, in the middle of the unsealing, in the middle of God bringing to pass Jesus, finishing what, what had begun in creation and was ruined with our own sinfulness, Jesus redeems, he's gonna make everything new. And as it's unfolding, in the middle of it, there is a word of hope. If you have Jesus, the world can be falling apart, and yet you and I are called to live with hope. Why? We belong to Jesus, and Jesus is going to make everything new, even though right now it's hard and dark and troubling. Uh, you just hold on to Jesus. That was how we ended the year, and with all that's going on, I thought, you know what? There's a few more things that we need to lean into in 2021 about hope. So we're going to take this week and think of one thing this week build on it next week, and then the third week, and I hope it will uh, set the tone for what you're going through. What, is it, what does it look like for us as Jesus followers to have a real, genuine, grounded, Jesus-centered hope in our lives in the middle of unending chaos that's around us? Um, I'm talking to a lot of people these days, and just the conversations are beginning to like, I heard that, I heard that, I heard that. So many of us are walking around with honestly a heavy heart. Uh, and, and some of it is because we've, we've not thought about the connection between hope and loss. So today I wanna focus in on something that's kinda hard, it's hard for us to think through. But we as Jesus' people have to reconcile what does it mean to live with a deep, genuine, grounded hope in Jesus and walk through loss? Let's talk about loss. Um, People are always experiencing loss. I think most of us get it, but we forget it. But right now, we're all experiencing loss, aren't we? In the last year, th think of all the things that we were not able to experience. So you students, I am so sorry. I apologize for, for all that you've missed out on. I mean, my own, my own kids, my daughter ended eighth grade, never saying goodbye to friends. Started high school, she's already almost, you know, half a year in, has never been to the school. That's a loss. That's not the way... School should be. My son graduated high school and he's done a term in college and he's never been to the college campus but once before he started. That's a real loss. I mean, the amount of personal freedoms. I mean, it used to be, remember this, is, this, there was a time where you, what restaurant are you gonna go to and with whom? Are you gonna sit down and, and enjoy? And now it's like DoorDash and you know, Uber Eats and, and, and some of us have learned how to cook. That's a positive, but but with loss, uh, wearing masks, temperature checks. Some, you are know, like, I can't come into the building. Totally respect it. Totally get it. You're a part of the family. Law. We're all like, this is, this is not the way life should be. And because we're all going through loss, I think it's good to reset the year realizing you can have hope and loss. They don't have to be separate things. As a matter of fact, the Jesus follower, if we learn through Jesus, we'll realize that financial loss and relationship loss and personal loss and community loss, it's a part of life. Now, for some, it's been great. So when I say we've all lost something, yeah, you can't go to the restaurant, but I think of uh, Morgan and Jamie, if you were here for Christmas, they shared in the video 
of they lost a child in the womb. That's, wow. There, there are scales to our loss, aren't they? And I think of Michael and Andrea. Uh, they've been a part of our community for years. They were a part of our community group in our home for years. And, and Michael was diagnosed with cancer years ago and fought a good fight and two days before Christmas went to be with Jesus. So their family is going, I mean, there, there's loss and then there's loss. You know what I'm talking about. Well, because it's going to confront us, whether you're young or old, we're going to have to reconcile with how we follow Jesus and yet deal with it. And what we've learned through Revelation is that the Jesus follower does go through loss. The Jesus follower does walk through hard times. And it doesn't mean that Jesus isn't real. It means that he's working everything towards what he intended from the beginning. And in the middle of it, we're going to have to deal with what I call a heavy heart. And that's what's happening in the seals in Revelation 7. Things are falling apart and they're saying, how long, Lord? How long? How long? Who's going to stand? Jesus' people have a heavy heart when we go through tough times. And so we want to navigate that together. And collectively, we are all going through things. Some of you know about it. Some of you don't. And, and I'm going to share some of the particulars during the end uh, of today's message. But I just want us to know, friends, that we can have hope in the middle of a heavy heart. Now, how do we lean in and what do we learn? Two things that are centering on loss today that I hope you'll take with you. And it comes from an encounter that Jesus has with some people who are trying to get him off course. So Luke um, 13, and this is gonna seem like a strange passage, I admit, but you learn something from Jesus. How did Jesus navigate loss in his own soul? Look at verse 31 of Luke 13. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and they said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. And he replied, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Okay, that doesn't make sense yet but we're getting there. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together. And notice the metaphor. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. And then Jesus makes an announcement. Look, your house is left to you desolate. He's speaking about Jerusalem. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All right, I, I, I get, there's a lot going on here, but Jesus is making his way towards the cross where he's gonna give his life for us. But as he's making his way towards his intended mission, Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom rescue from many. So Jesus always knows what he's about, but as he's going about following the will of God, which is really, frankly, isn't that the goal for all of us? Don't we want to follow God? Don't you want this year to be marked by your obedience to Jesus? Don't you want your life to be more like Jesus? Don't you want to tap into what Jesus wants for you? I want that. But even when we pursue that, we have to remember sometimes in the middle of it, even following the will of God, we will encounter loss. And so what does Jesus lose here? There are two things we learn from him, and we'll kind of tease this out. And then I want to share some news that's just hard to swallow. First thing, and I want you to write this down, these two things can mark the way that you look at this 
year. The first thing is we will be tempted to leave our God-given mission. When our hearts are heavy, hear me, because Jesus is tempted here, we'll be tempted to leave, to let go of, to get off course. Whatever God intended for us, it's, it's hard when our heart is heavy to see the big picture and stay on track with Jesus. And that's exactly what you see at the time. Notice, some Pharisees come to Jesus, and what do they say to him? Quote, leave this place. Now, what is Jesus doing? Well, we just read it. Jesus is setting people free. How many of you know that's pretty good? Jesus is coming. People are bound by evil, and Jesus is casting out evil. And people are liberated and free and see God for who he is. And people are broken. And Jesus is able to step in and say, you're healed. I mean, like, really, really, not metaphorically healed. Really made whole. And Jesus is doing this. And I know, because wherever healing and freedom comes, people are rejoicing. So there's a great thing going on. And then the Pharisees, notice, the Pharisees come in and they're like, you got to get out of here because Herod is about to kill you. Now, most commentators will say, this is not these friendly people giving Jesus some good advice. What's actually happening is the track record. If you grew up going to church, the Pharisees are seen as the bad guys. But you got to remember in Jesus' day, these are the good guys. They believe the whole Bible. They've memorized it and they've made it their goal to follow the Bible fully and so bring in the presence of God back to Israel. These are the people that you want to be. You want your kids to grow up, to be these people. And this is where the loss is experienced by Jesus. Jesus is God. Come to earth to save. Now, who would be the best people to be on your team? Right? The Pharisees would be the best because these are the people, they know the Bible. They've been looking for the promises of God to be fulfilled. You think that the Pharisees would be on Jesus' team and you would think they would be like his security guards. Like, hey, Jesus, just a word. Herod's out to kill you. We got you back. Don't worry. Just keep healing. That's not what they say. It's a total slam. They want to get rid of Jesus. So they use Herod as an excuse to say to Jesus, even though he's bringing healing and wholeness, by the way, they're not doing that. They want, and this is what I call an inside loss. You ever have someone who's really, really close to you just let you down? Like, where did that come from? Sometimes the people who are close to you, they're going to say something or do something, and it's going to be hurtful. And what we're seeing from Jesus, and let me tell you, Jesus is God, and Jesus is a real human being. And sometimes we overplay Jesus as God and say, well, yeah, I can't do that because that was Jesus. He's God. And that's a mistake because Jesus is fully human. The Bible says he was tempted in every way just like us, yet he did no sin. He was really tempted. And here he's really tempted to run for his life. Because Herod, by the way, the inside hurt and loss is because the, the, the spiritual people who should be on Jesus' team are actually out to get him. They're trying to trick him. They're trying to get him to say words. They're going to get him thrown in jail. And here they want him just to leave town. And that's going to happen sometimes. You're going to feel a loss from someone close to you. Okay, how do you navigate that with Jesus' hope? How do you continue on? How do you stay on track? Well, Jesus shows us. But sometimes it's going to be an outside loss. Like Herod is a political figure, and he's over all of Jerusalem and Israel. And so he has just killed John the Baptist 
people look to John the, the baptizer as this man of God. And talk about confusing. God is with John and is, he's literally beheaded. His head is cut off. And Jesus is a relative. So imagine your, rel, your real relative who's a representative of God has just been murdered. And none of the religious people did anything about it. And now... These other people who should be on your team are slyly using the, the death of your relative to get you off course. And so inside loss and outside loss, Herod is out to stop anyone who is a political threat. And so there is a real threat that Herod or others... Are, so, so we got to remember what's going on in Jesus' heart and mind I'm going to remind you of something you probably already know. Just because you're following Jesus does not mean you're not going to face temptations and trials. And all sorts of circumstances come your way that will try to get you off course. You could be doing the will of God and feeling lost left and right. And, and Jesus actually knows what you're going through. He's really human. He really sensed it. He knew that the people around him weren't for him. And that's just hard, isn't it? When you're trying to do the right thing and the people around you don't get it. If you have ever gone through that, Jesus knows what you're going through and, and he wants to help us. What's the reminder? The reminder is don't you give up on God's mission for your life. Don't you give up. I mean, this is what we, this is what we hear from Jesus. How do I get this? Verse 32, Jesus said, go tell that fox. Now, Herod is in charge and he does a slam on him. Go tell that manipulator, go tell that nobody, I'm going to keep driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I'm going to reach my goal. I just love it. Jesus is like, I know how much time I need, three days, and I'm going to finish here what, what the Father has told me to do. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. At this point, none of them even realize that Jesus is bringing healing and wholeness on the way to the cross. He's gonna go and provide healing and wholeness for everybody, but he says, go tell that leader that I'm not going anywhere. I'm standing my ground. And that, that I believe, is a word for us in this hour. Look, look, don't let opposition keep you from following Jesus. Don't let the outside influences keep you from following Jesus. Don't let the threats of other people, do you know, if you, if you stand up for that, that may cost you. Don't let anyone or anything keep you from following Jesus because Jesus shows the right response. When you experience this loss and this confusion from people around you, Jesus is focused. By the way, Jesus knows what the Father wants him to do to you. Are you seeking you see, because Jesus is so in tune with his father, he could say to the people around him who are trying to get him off track, you don't know what you're talking about. Go tell Herod, I'm not going anywhere three days and my work here is done. And until then, I'm gonna keep doing the will of the father. And I think that in this day and in this hour where there's so much confusion, we need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And we need to be the kind of people who are actually leaning into Jesus during these times where there's, there's so much collective bad news. I think some of us have a heavy heart, not because of a particular event or a particular person or a particular circumstance. I think 
Nine to 10 months of collective negative news has just put a heaviness in our heart. We're just, you're opening an app expecting to see something bad. And, you're, and then the problem with that is you and I, we can become slowly taken off the course that God has set out for us. What's the course that God set out for us? To help people experience life in Jesus. You and I are Jesus' ambassadors. Jesus is in this town saying, three days needed of healing and wholeness, and I'm not going anywhere. And you know what? With all the brokenness that's going on right around us, I mean, physically right around us, we need to wake up as Jesus' people at the beginning of the year and say, there's hope for us because we know him who is the answer. And even with all the stuff we're wrestling with, even with all the stuff we're hearing, even with all the stuff we're processing, we ought to be the kind of people who lean into Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you want from me? And if you want me to stand in the middle of all the opposition, I'm not going anywhere. It's too easy to give up. It's too easy to walk. I think our first response normally to pain, there are some, and I'll call them gym rats, and it's not derogatory, but people go to the gym eight days a week. You know, they like, like, pain, 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 and they'll go, I think most of us, if you're a little sore, you're going to skip a day, right? Or a week, or a month. Why? Because, because pain, usually our first response is to avoid it. And can I just say to you, person who loves Jesus or is trying to figure out if you want to follow Jesus, what we do in the middle of loss is not flee from it, but ask God, what do you want me to do in it? I think the temptation is just to run. Things get hard, run away. You don't like this in this place, go to another. It's just so easy to do that in relationships and in life. And what Jesus is saying is the only thing that ought to move you is the word of the Father. And if the Father says it's time to go, that's when you go. Not until then. So we can apply this in all of life, in our personal walk following Jesus. Are you experiencing some heaviness? Are you experiencing some hurt? Are you pursuing? Are you seeking? We could, we could talk about this in our family life as a student, a single person, married, divorced, widowed, uh, in the relationships that God has given you. Are you even in the middle of the pain, looking to him for guidance and direction. Jesus hears from the Father, I'm gonna stay, and he speaks. In this, you could apply this in school and work and in church life and in our neighborhood and our city. What we need to do is be the people that remember when we experience loss, we will be tempted to leave. And we, we need to be firm and resolute and as a family say to each other, what is God saying about it? And I wanna follow him. Okay, that's one one thing we learned from Jesus about loss. All right, the second thing, write this down, and then I want to lean in on some of the things we're wrestling with as a church. We will be tempted to lose compassion for others. When our hearts are heavy, we're going to be tempted, and, and we don't even realize it's happening, to lose the compassion. Uh, compassion is a deep-seated feeling for others in their pain, Right? And, and normally, you know, we're very, some of us are more naturally bent and compassionate. For others, it takes the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to infuse, you know, a little bit, because others are like, nah, they deserved it. But whatever, wherever you are on the spectrum of natural compassion, when you are hurt, that tank, whatever you have, will be poured out on yourself and held back from others. It's a temptation. 
And so it's easy when you're hurting, rather than responding with grace, mercy, and love, and care, and concern for other people, is to say, yeah, I need it, but they deserve it. And it's just, it's a natural reaction. Notice what you see in Jesus. This, this line is beautiful. Verse 34. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And the last line is important. And you were not willing. Um, so Jesus is doing the will of the Father, healing brokenness, setting people free. He's got his own should-be teammates inside lost. These people are not with him. He's got outside lost. He's got Herod and others trying to stop him. But notice how he feels about the people in Jerusalem. Now, this is hard for us to get because we don't think of holy places. But for these people, the most holy place on the planet is Jerusalem. Why? Because God said, I'm not going to meet you at your house you're going to come to my house. If you want to meet with God in his fullness, you're going to come to the place on the hill that's set apart where I'm going to meet with my people. And in order to get there, you need to have clean hands and a clean heart. And you're going to bring all this washing and these sacrifices and these songs to prepare yourself because I'm holy. There's no one like me. And so so Jerusalem should be this place of the presence of God where you go and you meet with him, right? But what has happened? Everyone that God has sent for centuries now, prophets, spokespeople, instead of receiving the words, repent, come back, come back, you're off, come back, I love you, I'm calling you back, it's, you've cheated on me, I'm calling you back, I should divorce you, but I'm not, I'm calling you back. What have they done? They actually murdered. So Jesus is coming along the line, and John the Baptist is the most recent case. Instead of heeding the word and hearing the word, they destroy the messenger. How does Jesus respond? I want us to catch this. Jerusalem, how often I long to gather you. Jesus is able, and this is, we need to learn this from him, is able, even in the middle of all this stuff going on around him, to have a heart of compassion. Jesus, the man, knows that he's going to go to Jerusalem because all the prophets were killed. That's his whole line about Jerusalem. You're going to lie desolate. Jesus speaks the truth. It's over for this city, and it's over for this temple because you won't listen. Instead, Jesus is going to come and make the sacrifice and make the place of his presence our hearts. So, so the whole idea of bring everyone to Jerusalem, that's no longer going to be the place. Now God's going to put his very spirit in your heart and in mine. Because we've been so stubborn, we don't even want him. So Jesus knows what he's coming to fulfill. And even with that heaviness of heart, he's got compassion. He knows that his disciples, and just keep reading in Luke, his disciples, every single one of them is going to leave him. And Peter's going to say, I'll never leave you. You kidding me? Here's my sword. Jesus, I'm going to defend you. And then eventually, when the troops come, even he runs away like a chicken. And everyone's gone. And Jesus is going to go to the cross. And who's around him? His mom, a few ladies, John. And we don't even get a long list. All the people that Jesus loved, all the people that Jesus 
healed, all the people that Jesus set free, where are they when Jesus is doing the will of God? They're not with him. And only even, even only one thief eventually says, hey, remember me. You don't deserve to be here. Jesus has been a bet. You want to talk about loss. And then he's on the cross. And in a, a way we don't understand, he, he can sense the Father's presence. So Jesus knows what it's like to do the right thing and experience so much heartache. And he's got compassion. So even on the cross, what, what does Jesus say to John? Take care of my mom. Like, when I'm in pain, I'm not thinking about mom. Are you? Think about it. But th 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 this is the reason we need to lean in on Jesus is because we not only get him as a savior, but he's actually our teacher and our God on how to live this life. And, and Jesus knows that we'll be tempted to get off the mission that God's given us when we're hurting. And we're going to be tempted to lose compassion for other people when we're hurting. You see, when your heart is heavy, it's easy to forget that God's forgiven you. Isn't it? It's so, it's so easy to forget. Where has God been gracious to you? What have you done where you deserved it and you didn't get it because either someone you know or just God above gave you another chance? You see, when our hearts are heavy, we end up pointing the finger forgetting that God has given us a new start and God hasn't held our sins against us and God has shown us love when we don't deserve it. And so what Jesus wants from his people, and this is where it meets us in this world, in the new year, the great hope in our loss is that we can show, not out of like religious lying, but out of actual experience. I am hurting, but I'm gonna stay true to what God has told me to do. I'm hurting, and I am gonna show love to other people, even though my tank is low. I'm gonna extend love and grace and mercy. This is not normal. It's not normal. And this is the way of Jesus. All right, this is just one dimension, how we walk with hope through our loss. Um, I'm going to look at some others over the next uh, couple of weeks because I, I feel like we need to be grounded in this. But I need to get to some of the loss. You know, the, why flip the series is because uh, we've just experienced some loss as well. And so in a, in a couple of minutes, I want to I share just some family talk. If you're just visiting or watching online and you're not a part of our community, lean in and listen. It may not make sense. If you're here and this is, this is your church home, it's, sometimes it's just hard to talk about difficult things, but I need you to do me a favor. I'm going to actually read a statement on behalf of our elders because when loss comes, we don't hide it. We don't run from it, right? We learn from Jesus. We walk through it with a focus on the mission. Whatever God's called us to do, we're not going to get sidetracked. We're going to keep going. And a heart of compassion, because Jesus is going to love the very people who are trying to get rid of him. But as I do it, um, when you hear bad news, what happens is your ears literally turn off, and you forget everything said after it. So do me a favor. Um, we need to respond to what Jesus is calling us to. So I'm going to read this, and, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to try to snap you back out of it, and I'll just read it, and you'll, you'll understand. Okay, this is, and if you're a part of our church family, you get our weekly we're going to send this to you this week, but I wanted you to hear it firsthand. Uh, an announcement from myself and the elders of 26 West, and it's written under my name. Uh, the elders of 26 West Church have terminated the employment of Pastor Brandon Moser and removed him 
from the elder leadership team effective immediately. Now, I need you to keep, stay with me here. This action was not taken lightly and was done in the best interest of everyone, including Brandon. We thank Brandon for the way he and his family have served faithfully and sacrificially for the last six years at 26 West Church, and we're confident that after a time of rest and restoration, God will use Brandon in the future. In terminating his employment, we in no way want to diminish the good work he has done here. Now, this action has been taken following discussions in relation to breaches of trust and a recent revelation of a pattern of being dishonest regarding expense reports. It would not be appropriate for us to go into further detail about the events that led to this decision. Our focus at this time is to honor God and pastorally care for the church community as well as the Moser family. While I have no doubt this is the right course of action, I must mention the elders and my personal sadness as we know and love the Moser family. I could read this with a fairly straight face because I read it at nine o'clock and couldn't even finish. I also want to communicate two other leadership changes, hear this, unrelated to the above. Tony Vitisich, uh, who happens to be here, is one of our founding elders, and he rejoined the elder team in November of 2020. Scott Wagner resigned in December from the elder team to allow time to focus on nurturing healthy family relationships in this season. Following Jesus with you, Jose. Okay, Breathe. That is not easy to share and uh, not easy to hear. So I want to emphasize a couple of things, and I need you to uh, you just try to come back with me. There are three things I mentioned. They are not related. Tony was one of our founding elders. He moved to Colorado. He left their elder team. They moved back. He's been a part of the church. He rejoined, just need to, to be clear. That was in November. Scott Wagner was one of our elders who came on. He resigned. He just looked at family health and said, you know what, I, I need to step back. And we honored that, and we accepted fully with love and care, and they're all a part of the church. That's a second uh, situation. The third, we intended to share the Tony and Scott in January. The third is, is recent. And so Brandon was removed as an elder and didn't resign. And I need it to be clear. And say, Jose, that seems very, why would you do this in public? Well, Scripture is super clear. Whenever there's a situation with an elder, we need to do it in public. Here's why. The Bible says as a warning. The seriousness of sin and the love of God. Both. So, don't think for one moment that the work of the elder team here was harsh. It was the right thing to do. And yet, what do you see in Jesus? Focus on mission and a love and a care and compassion for people no matter where they are and no matter what they do. So um, I realize it's, this is gonna take some time to sink in. For some of you, especially if you're newer, you're, you're actually gonna have to look who is Brandon Moser because you don't know. For others of you, it's hard to breathe right now. And I recognize that. It's really, really hard. But 
we as an elder team want to help you navigate through this. And, and we will. Because all loss is still wrapped up because of Jesus in hope, right? So a, a couple of super practical things. Um, our, our team, our staff were informed about this. This was an elder decision. And so if you have questions, our elder team wants to help you. They're all on our website and you can click and send an email and we would love to walk you through this if, if that would be helpful. Two things though, that whether this is news that hits you hard or you're just like, I don't know what's going on. Um, no matter what, whenever we hear about something that's challenging, there are two responses in light of the text that drive how we should move forward. The first is we should check our own hearts. When Jesus is confronting the Pharisees, you know what the disciples around him ought to do? Check their own heart. And when you hear about someone um, who did something and had consequences, what, what should you do? What should I do? I should check my own heart. Because the natural response is finger pointing. The human response is to throw blame, even shame, or make something big of it. The mature Jesus response is to say, thank God for grace. Because if it weren't for God's grace, where would I be right now? And to check our hearts about the seriousness of our actions and how what we do, despite God's love for us, how often did I want to hold you together under my wings and you wouldn't have it? How often have we neglected Jesus? How often have we blatantly gone and done our own thing, even though we know it's wrong? So we, we check our own hearts, and we should weep when we hear about anyone, a brother or a sister. We, our hearts, we should be broken about that and extend love. The second thing is we ought to pray for one another. Uh, we should pray for the families. We should pray for every one of our elders. We should pray for those who are with us and those who are no longer with us. We should pray for our church family. We should pray for our own family. And I'm asking you to throw me in the mix, which sounds greedy, but you should pray for me. This is hard. Uh, you may not realize, I mean, Brandon's one of my closest friends and most trusted ministry partners. So when this type of thing happens, it's really, really hard. So especially if you're younger, this is actually, this is good for you to see how, how Jesus' people walk through. And here's the crazy thing. In my heart, I am neither bitter or jaded or angry. And I just say that's the grace of Jesus. So what we can do is we can't stop loss from happening. I want, I want to, like... And if you're a parent, you want your kids to be in the bubble where nothing ever bad happens to them. And then you realize that's crazy. And that's not life. Loss happens for lots of reasons. So we can have hope in it when we walk through it and allow God to check our heart and draw us close to himself. So Jesus is, is exposing in my own, own heart the need for grace and truth. I, I need to walk in both. And so I hope the same for you. If you're, if you're new to our church community or you're literally just visiting, this isn't normally how Sunday goes down. 
You just need to know that. This isn't, and in our almost nine years as a church, this is the first conversation like this we've ever had to have. And, and so uh, a little bit of perspective is important to realize. But sometimes as a family, we need to talk about hard things. All right, we should pray. So what do, where do we go from here? And thank you, can I just say this? Thank you for those of you who are here. Thank you online um, for listening to the whole story. And now we need to come back to what we heard from scripture and how we respond. What we wanna do is to close our time together by, by worshiping through singing a prayer. Uh, Jesus' disciples said, how, how can we pray better? And Jesus said, let me, let me tell you how to pray. Our Father in heaven, great is your name. And so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna invite you in a moment to sing together. This is a prayer that centers us back on our need for the Father. And uh, we're gonna take communion in the middle of it. So for those of you in the room, if you're at home, hopefully you already have the bread and cup and you're ready to do that. For, for those of you here, this is your five-minute warning because uh, it, takes, it takes me five minutes to open this thing. And there will be a day when you and I together will just put our hand in the bowl and grab bread and we won't think about it and sanitize it. So for now, you have your very hard package. So maybe start to crackle that thing open. And then once you have it open, I'm gonna invite you to stand with me. If you're here in the room at home, please pray this together with us. Sing this with, with us. And then let's experience the presence of God in the bread and the cup together. So I'm gonna invite you, if you would, open it up, stand to your feet if you're in the room. And at home, why not just break the posture? If you're seated, hey, it's not weird. Why don't you just stand just to get your body in a different space? And, and uh, Ryan and Lonnie are gonna lead us. And in the middle of the song, I'll come back and we'll take uh, communion together.